dad started back in 1915. And I have on the wall of the office at the store a license from the town of North Bay. And it was, uh, I think, dated December 16, 1916. Mm -hmm. And it was signed by a Mr. Small, who at that time was the clerk of the, of the town. That was the first uh, indication that I had of how old the business was. And I think uh, my aunt told me at one time that the business actually started in, 19, uh, in uh, December of uh, 1915. Harvey Burroughs and Son is what I remember it. Yeah. Is that right? Maybe I could take you back a little farther. Let me go back a bit more. My grandfather, at one time, owned the, uh, what they call McLeod's Dairy. And that was, the dairy was, uh, the pasture for the dairy was in the area that, you know where Highland Road is, and goes out around Chippewa Creek and goes back in. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many acres would be there, but he had that, and he owned it. It was called McLeod's Dairy. Did he actually have cattle? Oh, yeah. It, it was a dairy that uh, supplied uh, dairy products to the community. Mm -hmm. Uh, after a few years, they did that for a number of years, and then they decided they, it wasn't the type of thing they wanted to be in. They sold the property and the dairy to a, to a group of people, one of whom was John Ferguson. And three or four people bought that land and the dairy. My grandfather took the money, uh, built his house, the, the red brick house on the corner of Vimy and Algonquin. That's the old borough's house. And uh, I remember going, going up there as kids, and we'd go up there for Sunday dinner. And uh, there wasn't very much up there in that time. I think mm -hmm. uh, my, my grandfather had a house on this side of the street. Uh, Dave Morham, DJ J. Morham Sr., had a house on the other side. Behind the house, we had a stable, and my grandfather had riding horses. And we as kids would go up there and ride the horses okay. and go back away along Vimy Street, uh, Norwood Avenue, and all through. There was just nothing but bush there. Mm -hmm. Uh, my grandfather then set up my uncle's and my dad in business. Uh, my uncle Elmer had a piece of property on Main Street, which he ran as a butcher shop. His tenant in that building was Phil Mitchell, who had a tea room. Or a so Phil was in that building along with my uncle. And that's where the Bank of Montreal is now, in okay. the, was it the 100 East block. Uh, Jack, my other uncle, was set up in the gravel, sand and gravel business, and they bought some pits up in by the, uh, the old, uh, when you go up the back way from O'Brien Street, the Golf Club Road, there was mm -hmm. pits in there. Some of them were called the Stockdale Pits. Uh, there's another pit up, as a matter of fact, past where you live. If you go back up Gormanville Road mm -hmm. and way up at the top, take a left, and you go in, and I think, I think Lan Richard Landrio has a house in there. That was the old Sega pit. And there was a lot of, lot of good gravel up in through there. They also had a pit at the back of the Ontario Hospital. And they developed a pit in there. And that was pretty coarse gravel. They sold that to the Ontario government, I think back in the 60s, to build the Ontario Hospital on that. Mm -hmm. But there, it, that property was not only a gravel pit, but it was also a farm. They had a barn on it. It was the old Roy farm, they called it. And I don't think they were related to Joe Roy. And uh, then the Ontario Hospital came along and bought the land. So, and then he, my grandfather set my dad up in a store where we, st we still own the store in the corner of Percy and Castle. Mm -hmm. And uh, he started up a, a grocery store there. And of course, in those days, uh, small grocery stores like our place, uh, Rankin's, Doan's, Johnny Smythe's, all those places ran. And they were the only people in town selling groceries. And, uh, at that time, it was a very profitable business, mm -hmm. fairly busy. And uh, so my dad started there in 1915. 
Uh, he went across the street and built a warehouse to handle flour and feed. Then he got into the horse business, and where the garden shop is today, at the corner of Third and Castle, yeah, right. that originally was built as a stable. Okay. And he had horses in there. He bought and sold horses. He could own through the. These country. are work horses or riding horses. These are bush horses, work horses. That was during the wartime years, and uh, he would go down through the country. He and my uncle buy the horses, bring them back up in cars, unload them down at the O&R stockyards. And as a kid, I can remember I'd be eleven or twelve, walking three or four of these big horses with these halters mm -hmm. from the O&R stockyard up to the uh, stable. And oh. in those days. A horse like that would sell for about 250 bucks. And today, I don't know what you pay for one of the 5000 6000 mm. This picture you brought, when would that be taken? Probably in the early 20s. That's my dad on the right. You'll notice the old, uh, the old wooden floor, the old ceiling, the, the metal ceiling. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, the people we have in there now, the Purple Relic, uh, mm -hmm. the two girls are doing picture frame work and so on. They've restored the store to that uh, state. Is that right? Yep. They've taken the flooring right down to the old floor, and they've even got little hanging light bulbs in there to try to match what was there during those old years. They have a Union Jack? Yep, the old Union Jack. And as a matter of fact, they have a piece of that counter cut in two that they use for the counter. I can recall going in there, and they are in the 60s, and yeah. you, you didn't have much space in there. No, it was small. It's not oh. a big place. But we ran a grocery store out of there for a number of years. Anyway, we built that in 63, and... Uh, of course, then we had the store, and we had the garden center, and of course, we had the building across the street where we housed the flower and feed. Then we had two employees who were with us a long time, Mabel Johnson and Ken Gardner, and Ken's still living in North Bay, and uh, they had been with us for over 40 years. And uh, Ken retired when he was 65, and Mabel was a wee bit younger, so she stayed on longer. We were ready to... Uh, leave the, the food business because by that time the big stores were in yes. place. You were just trading dollars. We wanted to keep the, uh, the gardening business and we wanted to keep the stuff across the street. So there's two houses. We owned the property. The, there were two homes on the corner. One was owned by the Mitchell family. So we bought the house and uh, we put tenants in there for a while. Ray McCauley owned the house on the corner. And that was the last house we needed to complete the, the corner block. So we arranged then to buy that corner. As soon as we had those two places, we knocked them down and moved across the street and developed our garden center where it is today. We still have the other property as a rental property. So that started a long time ago, Peter, and uh, to what it is today. Do, do you know when your family actually came to North Bay or came to this area? My father was born in North Bay. Uh, when they were up on a visit, they, had, they happened to be up here. And, and visits in those days wasn't a weekend. You'd come up and stay for three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. While they were here, my father was born. Well, then my grandfather moved back to uh, Pakenham, down the Ottawa Valley, and they had a farm down there. So my dad lived till he, I think he was about 14, uh, at Pakenham. Then my grandfather decided he'd come up this way. That's when he got involved with the dairy mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, of course, built the house, and that's where they lived up here. So that's, uh, uh, they came here a long time ago, Peter, and I can't tell you the years. My, my aunt died a couple of years ago. She was 99, and she was as sharp as a tack. She could tell you all these things, who married who and where they, you mm -hmm. know, where they started up from. It was really interesting. What do you remember as a, as a kid 
I mean, I mean growing up, you, you'd be growing up uh, in the 30s, early 40s yeah. in that time period. Not really having much knowledge of the, of the economic condition in those days. Those were the days that were depression days. Mm -hmm. I remember we lived in the apartment over the store. I didn't notice any hardship. I mean, with a kid that age, you know, we were out around, fooling around all the time and outside. I do remember people coming off the trains when the train would stop up in the CNR, which is just to the right of the mm -hmm. store. People coming off there and coming over to the store and begging, asking for a loaf of bread, meat, and my mother would give them something. Uh, these people were starving to death. They were on their way west, hoping mm -hmm. to get work. Yeah. And that's one thing that stands out in my mind at those times. Discussion about, I think I remember talk about the war, people coming into the store and say, do you think we're going to get it? And that was coming into the 39s. When, and that would, I would be only eight then. Mm -hmm. But I do remember those, uh, those discussions. And then when the war started, of course, uh, Chippewa barracks started up and uh, soldiers started coming down the street. I think the country was swept up in the war. We were just in uh, elementary school. I went to Queen Victoria. And uh, we had a great, uh, great childhood. Out doing things with yeah, your friends. Yeah, you had to make yeah, your own pleasure. Exactly. And we did do that by getting into sports, by getting into all sorts of things, going to the lake to swim, canoe. Getting and into uh, trouble? We did, yeah, well, we got into the odd thing. One of the funniest things I think I ever did was, that, and it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I was there. but. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everybody went to the show. There was no TV, so Friday night you went to the show, you went to the Royal, you went to the Capitol, you went to the Melrose, which was the Odeon in those days. So we were coming down the street, this, and it was cold, it was in January, and Ray was up on this marquee, getting ready to put his chains in. He had a ladder there. And of course we saw that, and we took the ladder mm -hmm. and moved it away, and left Ray up there. <laughs> and Ray, Ray was screaming and shouting, and he was freezing, he only had a suit coat on. And he, <laughs> So we walked down half a block and just kind of stood like this and watched this whole thing. And finally somebody inside the show heard him come up, put the ladder back up and got Ray down. Ray was looking for us for years after that. <laughs> <laughs> but we did do that and uh, people went to the show. They went to the Ark, which is uh, the Maroosas used to have the Arcadian and uh, Jimmy Maroosas. And, uh, and, or you went to DeMarco's, had a milkshake and stuff like that. Uh, but there were good years. And uh, lots of people out doing things. There was a lot of activity, and you didn't stay in all the time and just watch a, a TV set. You get out and did some, made friends, and got involved. Do you think that's one reason why you 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 became involved with the community the way you have? Probably, because I enjoy it. I enjoy getting out, talking to people, and that's all we did. Today, I think people have a tendency to cocoon and stay inside mm -hmm. and entertain mm -hmm. themselves with electronics and that type of thing. There wasn't, there wasn't that. And uh, uh, I always remember Christmas time, we would get a book of theater tickets for passes. And I think you'd get a, about five in the middle of a book. And uh, they were only about, I don't know, 50 cents or something mm -hmm. each. And mm -hmm. of course, we'd tear one of those things off and go, and we'd tear another one up. And uh, we usually went to a show Friday night. Or, and the old Royal Theater, of course, they used to have about two features on, about five serials. And I, I don't know how much. You'd go in there at 6 at night and stay until 12. So it was, it was different. They had dance halls as yep. well here. They sure did. They had the Top Hat. Top Hat was the major one. Uh, they used to bring in major bands like Mark Kenny, and I think some of the big bands from the States used to come in as well. But they'd have uh, dances down there. I think pretty well Saturday night, every Saturday night at Top Hat. Where, where was that located, do you remember? That was down in Ferris. 
I think roughly where the Golden Dragon is now. That far out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was there much development leading out that no, way? No, very little. And, and uh, if you went down on a Premier Road, farther down, the Premier Road, of course, was just a, a gravel road. Mm -hmm. And in those days, uh, these, there was just cottages, there was no permanent homes. Top Hat was kind of standing out by itself down there. This Tor Bay was another place the kids went to. Uh, Trout Lake, they used to have the Marine Room, the Harbor, the Hughes people, and uh, uh, that was a place where you went in the evening and they had a, you know, maybe a, a machine for music and danced and things like that. You know, you remember people, don't you? Yeah, I do. I remember a lot of people from you. I can look at some of these old photographs and pick these. Uh, I've had often had people come to me with sports photographs and say, who is that? Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. usually you can pick them out, remember them. You played, you played ball, I know you played ball up into your 20s. Until I was about 28 or 29, yeah. Played a lot of, enjoyed ball, it was a good game. Uh, we had a lot of fun playing, we met a lot of good people. Uh, I'm, you know, you recall people who, who were part of the teams, Don Congino, coached mm -hmm. us for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Very committed guy, unfortunately had a, had a spinal problem, he, he couldn't walk correctly and uh, but Don was there, and uh, I met a lot of good guys, and I still see them. We have the Sports Hall of Fame dinners. Mm -hmm. You bump into them, they're always happy to see you, great friends. So I enjoyed that part of it. The, the changes in the business, how did, are you still pretty much of an old-fashioned type of operator? I well, mean, your store, you, <coughs> you, you haven't taken that store and put any glitz in it at all. What has happened the last few years? We moved over there and we changed the store around to accommodate what we wanted to do. We saw it as a country store, and mm -hmm. we can't get too glitzy and too, uh, you know, bright. And uh, I, I think people appreciate the fact that it is the type of old store that, that still believes in uh, in uh, just providing good service and good stuff at a good price. My son-in-law and my daughter uh, are in it now. They bought it out two years ago, mm -hmm. and I'm just uh, I'm there, and I'm there as a resource, I suppose you might call it, Peter. Uh, Bob has got lots of good ideas. He's a young fellow. He's got full, he's full of beans, and, and it's proper that he should be running this now because he it needs someone with lots of new uh, energies and so on. But what it did do, but beside that, beside lending the store some new energies, it allowed me an opportunity to do what I'm doing with the city. Because if I had the store to look after, that's a full-time job. You're there from seven in the morning till seven at night, twelve-hour day, mm -hmm. and uh, you've got to. You've got to be there and commit to that, or it's just not going to work. So uh, I started there. I think I took over the uh, our store when I was 28. It was not in 1958 I took it over from my dad. He retired, and uh, since I was there, I've done all the changing, the additions to the outside, and the crossing over, and uh, and developing the property over there. So it's been fun. It's it's uh, I, I've enjoyed it every bit. It's in business like that, and uh, meeting so, so many good people. And we've had some customers been with us for 40 years and they just come in and we just know what they want and mm -hmm. yeah good feeling harness horses where did that come in in the family because i can recall uh, was it uh, elmer it was elmer okay elmer uh was one of the other brothers in the family and he was he was the chap i mentioned had the butcher's mm -hmm. uh, store on main street and he got in along with jack buying a few racehorses they had a fairly decent horse up here a few years back by the name of claude hanover yes and uh, raced them in North Bay, raced them in Sturgeon Falls. In those days, there were a lot of small tracks throughout mm -hmm. the area. Burke's Falls had a track, and uh, unfortunately, with the coming of the larger tracks and the purses uh, coming up, the small tracks just couldn't compete. So even races at fall fairs started to, to disappear. 
Elmer brought this horse in, and uh, he brought him down the States. He got him in New York State. Good horse, and he, and he had a lot of fun with him over the years, and he, and he was a great racehorse. He was also a stud, and of course he used to do some, some breeding with him. Uh, I think he lived to, to a good rate, ripe old age. But Elmer and, uh, and Jack had uh, a few horses over the period of time. These and were standard were, breds? These were standard breds, yeah, Pacers, some Pacers trotters. Uh, again, a lot of fun. We used to go to the Brooks Falls races, and uh, Stan Darling used to be the starter. Mm -hmm. And I remember Stan sitting up there and saying, getting people to go out and bet, and he said, if you don't speculate, you can't accumulate. <laughs> Let's let's say your your growth and your parents uh, and, and uh, there's something in a in a let's let's use the term farm family, but the fact that the the friendliness the the getting to know people and 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 all that uh, that upbringing has certainly done you done you well and. Mm -hmm. I guess I got it from both my parents. My, my dad told me one time, he said, there's always a place in business for an honest man. I've always remembered that. Uh, you know, I used to get these things from him. And he'd say, and, and a lot of things he'd tell me, he'd say, don't worry about somebody else that's doing business in the city. How are you going to look after his business and look after your own? Mm -hmm. So you get that type of, uh, I guess it's called wisdom that but my mother was more gregarious. She was more outgoing. She loved people. She liked. Uh, she had a lot of friends. And I guess maybe I got a little bit of from both sides. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, my father was a very uh, not an outgoing person, but very very honest. Uh, he used to tell me stories about uh, the old days when behind the airport there must have been five or six old bachelors lived up in there. And of course, those gentlemen would come down every Saturday to the store and they buy supplies. Mm -hmm. And uh, honest people you would never see the like of. One day he told me that this old gentleman walked into town. And he came up to the counter and he said, there, he handed him, it was 50 cents. He said, I owed you that for two weeks. He said, I had to get down and pay that. That's what people were in those days. Mm -hmm. It was a different way of doing business, Peter. And I think maybe growing up in that, I, was, I saw that and it was part of it. And and the fact that you grew up in this community exactly. also. Sure. Why, why did you ever decide to go into politics? Well, I, I, uh, I was on different boards. I was on a wide board for a number of years. I was on the hospital board for 12 years. I chaired it for five. I, I really enjoyed that. That was great. Those were the years we were looking at a new hospital. Uh, we, uh, we did a lot of work on that. And I think that we, uh, I enjoyed those years because it, it was something I could put back in the community. It's corny, but I think yeah, really. What do you mean? Uh, you do because the community has been good to us. Mm -hmm. I served my time on that, and then when my time was over on that, I thought, well, uh, we'll do something else and get involved because I really feel as though I, I, I wanted to be involved. Somebody mentioned, well, why don't you run for council? And I thought about it. I thought, well, maybe it's something to do. It's something new. I'll try it on for size. So I did, and I was elected. And then I thought, well, I've got three years in. I'm just getting to know how things work, as you know, it takes time. Did it again and, re and was re-elected. And uh, then I thought, well, look, I've had my six years as on council. And I think I, it, it's time to either move forward or get off and let somebody else get on. So and the people came to me again and said, why didn't you run for mayor? So I thought, well, I don't know. And then I thought about it. I said, all right. So, of course, I was elected. And, of course, now I'm in my second term because I was unopposed. 
Peter, I guess a combination of wanting to put something back in the community and uh, curiosity of what makes the city tick, mm -hmm. how things happen, why they happen. And uh, I'm coming into my fourth term, as you know, a three-year term. So I'm still learning. Uh, there's yeah, still stuff yeah, out yeah. there you don't... And, and it's today, crisis management, in a sense, too, because things yeah, happen so quickly. You're reacting to a lot yeah, of stuff, yeah. and uh, especially the last year or so when, when the, municipal gov the, the provincial government has been uh, giving us more responsibilities and, uh, and costing more. We're, we're doing more with... with uh, uh, and it's getting to be big business. Our, our budget, as you know, if we take on the social housing, could be up in 80 or $90 million this year. So uh, uh, I think curiosity and wanting to put something back into the uh, community. And I've enjoyed it. It's been, it's been fun.